Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. I was talking with uh, Janet from London, Ontario a couple of days ago. She'll join us at the half hour. And uh, she is living with a terminal illness, but she's also a chronic pain patient. And she had a doctor who fired her. And then when she tried to get her medical records, the doctor called the police. So I want to find out what the story is all about. Here's somebody who is in a difficult situation and uh, feels completely abandoned by uh, by the system around her. So I'm trying to shed some light on that, and you'll hear her story. Uh, we talked last hour about the issue of ISIS members coming back to Canada um, and what the options of this country are and what other countries are doing while we say we'll, we'll reintegrate in council <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, the Brits, the Americans, the French, the Australians are uh, deciding, have decided, that their special forces will, in the Middle East, stop as many of their citizens who are members of ISIS from getting back to those countries alive. So, lots of emails coming in, uh, well, lots of action on Twitter as well. I think we're going to have to uh, talk about this again another day, and and uh, I have a couple of people in mind. I want to. Have joined us, but the the other issue that has to do with our with our country and our borders is, of course, refugee claimants entering Canada. It's another issue that is uh, talked about and debated hotly in our parliament. And uh, joining me on the program is Richard Curland, immigration lawyer who's in Vancouver. He's advised both the federal and Quebec governments, and we like to talk to Richard about these issues that that face this country. Richard, when you, uh, thanks for joining us. And when we look at the, the, the issue of refugees entering Canada and the numbers that have entered, and I've heard that there are so many people who've entered Canada as refugees now, the system cannot keep up with processing. Is that our biggest problem, or what is the biggest problem that you would identify? Well, resources. I, I, there's certainly no flood, and the system is under control, uh, it, it may seem counterintuitive with all the uh, media onslaught, but uh, the numbers tell the tale. The reality is that Canada did experience the Trump trampoline after the presidential election and when uh, President Trump took office. But uh, truth be told, and I've been monitoring using Access to Information Act requests uh, from CBSA as well as our Immigration uh, Canada authorities, uh, it really is under control because of the short-term influx from Haiti. Our country developed procedures to accommodate sudden spikes in intake. So now there's no reinventing the wheel. We just deploy out uh, the same processes uh, to ensure that uh, Canada is protected. That's job one. And secondly, to get decisions as quickly as we possibly can. And the latest flavor in the chocolate bin 
is a serious consideration to adding resources to the Immigration Refugee Board so that you can uh, have a fast hearing. If you don't have a fast hearing, you bloat inventory, which only attracts more intake. Uh, that's, that's, not way to, that's not how you deal with this. Okay, in layman's terminology, what are you telling me as far as bloated uh, intake is concerned? More and more people coming in that you cannot process? Well, that's it. I mean, it's it's a bathtub. The bathtub uh, has a, a drain. If you uh, put more water into the bathtub, the drain can let out. You're you're going to have overflow, uh, and and it's very costly. Uh, the longer you stay, the more you pay. And so, what does work, uh, at least with the Haitian community to date, was the fast turnaround in those um, American-based refugee claims here in Canada. Uh, the the message was, don't try it, it's just not going to work. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen when the next anticipated wave or two hit Canadian soil. Because Mr. Trump has said that the the Haitian temporary, uh, the temporary allowance or allowing of Haitians in the United States is going to end in, I think, 18 months. Yeah, that's what he says. Uh, I don't know about the track record uh, between statements and uh, bottom-line truthful conclusion. What he has done, though, is to buy 18 months at a minimum. There's no uh, saying there won't be or can't be an extension of time. So 18 months is forever in presidential political terms, I, I, I feel. And uh, it, what it may do is to push northward some nervous Nellies, in the hope that uh, they can avoid a potential removal in 2020. So I'm, I'm not so sure that uh, we're going to get as many claims as, uh, as people think. So you think then, and I read this earlier this morning, that the expected increase in some circles, many circles, as far as refugee claimants in this country are concerned, that it could mean $3 billion, that's with a B, in social support for claimants, and an 11-year wait no. for hearings. That's absolutely false. Not, not just false, patently false. I, I've seen those reports, and when you look at the underlying data, they take some speculation of no increase in resources uh, and other things like that, which just doesn't happen on planet Earth in Canada with a refugee determination system. So uh, someone's driving another agenda altogether. Uh, the country has learned that the faster you process these claims, the better it is for everyone, family unification, social justice, sanctuary in Canada, low cost. And that bill, multi-billion dollar figure, it's... I, <laughs> you're biting smoke with that one. It makes no sense. I can see... Um, if you look at a human being's total cost to Canada for being here, and you don't look at the other side of the ledger uh, that they're working and paying taxes, so looking only at costs and, and none of the economic other side, uh, in theory can potentially generate that magnitude of billion-dollar boondoggle, but that's just uh, not the way. All right, so let me read you. I've been, as you've been talking, I've been Googling to see where I found the information. I didn't find what I saw this morning, but I found another source. found another story on the same issue with the same numbers. And this is from, uh, well, it's from the CBC. And they say, quote, an increase in asylum claims in Canada could eventually mean a staggering 11-year wait for a hearing 
and $2.97 billion in federal social supports for claimants. In the meantime, an internal government analysis has concluded. The immigration, I, I the, the, the immigration, yeah, the immigration refugee board is already trying to whittle down its current backlog, but received no new money in the latest federal budget. Two fast things, and you can Google again, my friend. It's the first. I have to when you're on the air with me. You throw so many curveballs. <laughs> well, I'll keep pitching. So the, the the CBC thing quotes that up to eleven. It was taken from a document that, uh, that made the business case. What happens if we don't get any new resources? So that's that's the uh, context. And uh, yeah, you bet. Uh, if if you don't resource the IRB. Uh, you're going to get uh, channeled. And the timing was everything. Magically, that story appeared just coincidentally at the point when Parliament and senior bureaucrats were considering supplementary estimates. So you get your annual budget from Parliament, and then you hit the time of year where you get more money, supplementary estimates. And the best way to ensure you get what you want, somehow a brown envelope with... uh, (laughs) That sort of material gets into uh, the hands of media. So I, I didn't buy it then. I don't buy it now. Okay, so do you have hard facts, or are you just not buying it? Oh, no, no, no. The hard facts are the supplementary estimates themselves, the intake of refugee claimants on a monthly basis, the current inventory of the IRB. Do they have the capacity now? No, they do not. Unless there's a clear signal that more resources are going to flow into the IRB, every other department's going to pay the price, federally and provincially, for creating a huge inventory and not uh, processing. Okay, let me, read you, let me read you a little more. And I've been, as you suggested, I've been Googling because I can hit your curveball over the wall all day, <laughs> every day. Talent <laughs> uh, <Cowan> shows. <laughs> here's, here's what, now this is important information. You tell me because you're the expert, you know. But I'm looking at a story. This is the story I actually saw this morning from Global News. Asylum claims have been steadily rising since 2015. That year, there were 16,115. In 2016, 23,895. And as of April this year, the last month for which data is publicly available, there were already 12,040 claims in the system. The memo projects projects that claim will hit 36,000 this year and could continue to increase after that. Here's a little more on that. The scenario best reflects current concerns and increased volumes of claimants observed to date in 2017 and takes into account overall increases in asylum intake from 2015 to 2016. The memo goes on to say that by the end of 2021, the new system inventory would grow to approximately 192,700 claims, equivalent to 133 months' wait of output from the board or a wait time of approximately, there it is again, 11 years, and the social support costs for claimants were 600 a month, each in 1617. Uh, at that claim volume, those costs would climb to $2.97 billion yeah. from 2017 through to 2021. Yeah, if there's 192,000 people coming in, of course it will. But are there going to be 192,000 people coming well, in? Well, the projection of, of the won't. government is that yes. No, no, no. They're saying these are the, pl- these are the numbers if it happens. Well, the memo projects is the line. That's right. They're projecting based on math, but not reality. 
I mean, every year since... Well, you don't know the reality any more than I do or they do. Yes, yes. Well, the rearview mirror says this, that every year since World War II, no matter how much money or technology you throw at illicit migration to this country, there's always going to be around 40,000 people seeking entry in this manner. Is this this annually? Is this annually? Yeah. 40,000. Yeah. So of the 40,000... Let me me take a break because there's something else I need to ask you. Yeah. And... The point that's been made over and over and over, and you've discussed it on this program with our good friend um, Martin. Martin. Yeah. Um, But the question that's being asked is, and you have the answer to this, I know, uh, and you've talked about it. We have the safe third country agreement with the United Mm -hmm. States. If you enter Canada at at a staffed border crossing from the United States, you're a refugee claimant, you're likely to be turned back because you're already in a safe country. But if you cross outside of those staffed areas, then you're taken in and the process of evaluating and establishing your bona fides, or some people say bona fides, as, uh, as a refugee, that process begins. Question is, and this is what makes people's brains fry, why... Can you turn people back at a staff border crossing, but you can't turn them back when the RCMP intercepts them between staff border crossings? Don't go away. We'll come back with Richard Kurland and his answer to that question. Stay with us. You listen to Green. green. You might turn red. red. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Oh, 45 years later, it still sounds like a good song. Well, it still is a good song. It sounds like a good song, Green. It is a good song. Like people saying, well, the temperature is minus 2, but with the wind chill, it feels like minus 200. Well, if it feels like minus 200, it is minus 200. Richard Kurland is listening to this brilliant synopsis of, of mine. Um... <laughs> immigration lawyer in Vancouver who's advised both the federal and the Quebec governments and is kindly a contributor to this program. So I started by saying that if you cross into Canada with an immigration claim or a refugee claim at a staffed border crossing, likely be turned back to the United States. But if you come between staffed border crossings, then you're going to be taken in and you're bona fides as a refugee claimant are going to be investigated and checked and the decision will eventually be made. And we were talking earlier about how long that might take according to projections. But now there's also talk about people from Central America coming into Canada, not just from Haiti, but also Central America, given again what Mr. Trump appears to be doing with as far as refugee situations or claims in the United States. Uh, are concerned. Is that something we should be planning for, are planning for, or we shouldn't be worried about? No, definitely we're we're planning for it, and definitely we need to be concerned. 
uh, we have to strike the right balance between uh, respecting Canada's international uh, obligations under the uh, Refugee Convention uh, and uh, ensuring that we don't lose control of our borders and bad people don't get in here to do bad things. It's a, it's a tough gig. Are we doing that, but, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Canada invests heavily in security uh, to prevent bad things from happening. And, and uh, fingers crossed, so far, so good. Uh, but we could do better. I am concerned about uh, the, the, what appears to be legal fiction. Explain how for uh, a number of meters in the Canadian border you can be turned back and for all the other meters on the Canadian border you, you get a free ticket in. It, uh, it does cause some confusion to the Makes public. you wonder what they were drinking when they wrote that agreement. Well, the agreement is uh, rather interesting. It's, it's the uh, hopscotch over that uh, once you access Canadian soil, uh, a different set of rules uh, will pop in. And by going through the front door at our ports of entry, you're, you're not admitted into Canada. So technically, you may be on Canadian soil physically, but legally, it's a different set of rules that apply. The obvious solution, and a lot of people don't like hearing... <laughs> Uh, solutions that uh, shut Canada's door, uh, but the law can be changed to provide for literally a floating port of entry. You, you can just uh, designate a, a truck as a port of entry and just bring the truck where people are crossing, mm -hmm. and off you go. But um, uh, Maybe that's the way to do it. But I understand there's also the, as you said, there are obligations internationally. What are in, in about 30 seconds, what are those obligations? What are we obliged to do under the international treaty that deals with refugee claimants coming to Canada? Well, figure out who the people, uh, who, who these people are, and, and, and then adjudicate their claims fairly and quickly. Are they a refugee deserving convention protection, yes or no? Uh, and it's really as simple as that. The legacy of Canadian history is, goes from none is too many, uh, to uh, unfortunate uh, boat uh, problems here, right here in Vancouver um, uh, over, over an extended period of time. So Canada doesn't want to repeat historic mistakes and does want to respect uh, the law internationally and, and provide freedom and sanctuary for those who deserve it. Uh, we have nowhere near the volumes uh, experienced by the United States or Europe. Mm -hmm. It's relatively very small. So, yeah, we spend money. We feel good. We're the gold medal. And uh, hopefully other countries will duplicate the Canadian way of doing things. Richard, the next time I speak with someone who's politically involved with the immigration issue, I'll ask them about the mobile border crossing. It's an interesting idea. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll also welcome. mention that you brought it up. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> good talking <laughs> to you, my friend. Okay, a All pleasure. Take care. Richard Curland. Immigration lawyer in Vancouver. It's the Green Show and it's the Chorus Radio Network on Great Cup Sunday.